to the teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Eberly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. I'm here in Ephesians 4. We're going to start reading in verse number, well, let's see, I got the wrong chapter here. Verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers uh, for the perfecting of the saints. That means maturing. Maturing means growing up, you know. We have to grow up spiritually like we grow up naturally. Uh, for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, uh, one translation, or not translation, but the Greek means uh, right ordering of the saints' lives. You know, the Word of God, not a man, but the Word of God or an anointing on a man of God can bring order to a life that has been full of disorder. Order to a marriage, order to, uh, you know, the, the mind, order to uh, spiritual things, order to the right priorities, order to so many things. But he said, for the right ordering, for the maturing, and whenever we mature, we do come into order. Sometimes people are pressing, they want things to come into order, and they only come by maturity. You understand? So, uh, for the right ordering or the maturing of the saints, now that's what these offices are given for, all those five-fold offices, we're familiar with them in verse 11. For the right ordering or perfecting or maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. You could say, so the saints, some translations will say that, so the saints can do the work of the ministry. We all have work to do. We're not saved by works, but there is work to do. Amen. Amen. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Praise God. Didn't say for the pacifying of the body of Christ, but for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Hallelujah. Unto a perfect man. That means a mature man. You know, maturity is a rare thing when it comes to spiritual maturity. You know... Uh, even in our society, more and more, although people might grow up naturally, actual emotional, uh, mental maturity is, is rare. You understand that? You got, that's the reason kids turn out the way they turn out in the, out there in the world so much, and sometimes in the church, is because the parents never grew up. Amen. Well, anyway, he said, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto mature men, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. My goodness. Grow up to his full, the, the stature that he grew up to. My goodness. I could share a lot on that, but let's keep on reading. For we have, that, that we henceforth be no more children, that's spiritual children, tossed to and fro. You know, there's characteristics of spiritual children. And those characteristics are showed throughout the Word. One of them, their flesh is dominating them. Amen. A spiritual child, a spiritual uh, baby, spiritually, you might say, is somebody whose spirit is undeveloped to rule their flesh and their mind. Their mind is unrenewed and their body is ruling over their spirit. Amen. And rather than renew their mind the way God thinks, they think their own thoughts. Anyway, he said, there will henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Notice what belongs to a spiritual child. They get tossed around. They're in and out, up and down. You can't depend on them. Amen. That's status quo for spiritual children. Amen. There's so many things that just uh, people want to give people to help them get out of those stages, but really there's only one thing, and that is growing up. Growing up. How do you grow? Well, you have to eat right and exercise. 
Spiritual food is the Word of God. Exercise is acting on the Word of God. That's one way to exercise. So till we, uh, 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 till henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. He didn't even say false doctrine. You know, there's just winds of doctrine. Some things are about half true. Some things are three-fourths true. Every sermon ought to have a label on it, just like every can of beans ought to have, has a label on it. Tells you how much fat, how much fiber, how much sugar, how much, you know, all that. Protein. Well, every sermon ought to have that. 50% theory, 20% uh, religious tradition. <laughs> Amen. That tells you how quickly you're going to grow, whether you get real true nourishment or not. Tell we be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, by the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. In all things. Amen. Tell your neighbor, in all things. There are things that we are more partial to growing up in. <clears throat> Pastor, I want to grow up in prosperity. Well, praise God. That's for you. But how about growing up in faithfulness? How about growing up in loyalty? How about growing up in being on time? How about growing out of selfishness? Woo! See, that's, that's, the, the, that's not even the meat and the potatoes. That's the broccoli and the collard greens and, and the asparagus and all that of the Word of God. We all, you know, it's a characteristic of spiritual childhood to like ice cream and cake and pie and candy and all that. Amen. Come on now, don't look, don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'll think it's you. But see, real spiritual maturity comes by hearing things that are really that's really sound and uh, uh, that things that maybe we aren't partial to hearing. We don't like to hear that. Things maybe that give us some, a little adjustment. Maybe it doesn't stroke our ego or tell us how wonderful we are. You know, all young ministers, they want the kind of ministry until God shows them what they really are supposed to have. All young ministers, they want the kind of ministry that just strokes everybody's ego and tells them how wonderful they are. You know, no, no dealing with issues, no confrontation. But just, just, just tell everybody how wonderful they are. Well, that, that doesn't work. Speaking the truth in love. Amen. The truth is what we've got to grow up into. And it needs to be shared in love. Amen. Not beating people up with it. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things. <clears throat> That's the things we don't like to, <clears throat> we don't like to grow up in. <clears throat> In all things, which is the head, even Christ. Wow. From whom? From the head, from Jesus. The whole body, the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted. Compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Wow. So really, uh, there's a supply for our life to help us to grow up. He said, every joint supplieth. Some translations say, every member supplieth. Some translations just say, every connection supplieth. So in other words, there's a connection for us as members. Not talking about signing our name on the church roll, but the members of the body of Christ, the, mem the spiritual body of Christ. Every person born again is a member of the spiritual body of Christ. Isn't that right? So he's saying that we are connected, we're joined together. You know, God doesn't have us, no ministry of a lone ranger. 
Amen. We're all joined together. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. I haven't seen you on Wednesday nights lately. Anyway, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Now, you read up there from, uh, notice it says from whom. He's talking about verse 15, from Jesus, from Jesus. But you read verse 11 on down through like we just did, you'll find that it's from Jesus through the fivefold ministry. Sometimes Christians say, well, I don't need a church. I don't need a pastor. I have Jesus and that's all. I got saved. I'm saved. Just saved as anybody else. Absolutely. But this isn't talking about salvation. This is talking about growing up. And you can get saved and go to heaven and enjoy eternal life forever and ever with God uh, because you got saved and you have Jesus. But if you don't have a pastor and you don't have these other five-fold ministries speaking into your life, then you won't really finish your course. You won't grow up. And you won't have this uh, joint, this supply that comes through joints. Every joint supplieth. Tell your neighbor, you're a, a joint in this joint. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Every joint supplieth. Every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working. That's talking about the action of God's power. The effectual working in the measure of every part. See, that supply is the power of God in every one of us working effectually in order to do the last part of the verse, uh, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So we all bring a supply. Every one of us have something to, that's working in us to increase the body overall. To edify. The word edify means to build up. To build up. Um, so I want to share some things about this, about divine connections. And uh, it can be related to a lot of different things. There's a lot of different kinds, several different kinds of divine connections in the Bible. And there's just, uh, you know, we have uh, people in the body of Christ that we uh, fellowship with more than others, not because we don't recognize other members or other churches. It's just that we can't be a part of every church, you know. We thank God for every church. You know, you get in trouble with God if you don't recognize other members of the body of Christ. <clears throat> I've gotten good things from Baptist people, Baptist ministers. I've gotten good things from many different people. Amen. Might not agree with them all, but that doesn't mean they don't have something from God, you know. So we thank God for everybody, but you can't fellowship with everybody, nor are you called to. I don't mean that you're not in fellowship, but I just mean... In other words, if you met them, found out they're a believer, well, hey, we're brothers, we're sisters in Christ, you know, we have fellowship on that level. But in other words, but we don't see them every week because maybe they're from China and we're from here, you know. How, how can you fellowship with everybody? Isn't that right? So there's a place God connects all of us in, and that's a divine connection. It's called a local church. And uh, we meet people there that have a supply for our life, but then the pastor has, the supply, has a supply for our life. So those are divine connections. And then, of course, there is a truth in the Bible, throughout the Bible, about uh, spiritual mentoring, you could call it. It's a more one-on-one -on -one relationship. Yeah. Um, and that's called spiritual mentoring. People call it that. You could call it uh, spiritual leaders in the body of Christ or the fathers of faith. You could call them that. Or sometimes people call them spiritual fathers. But they're divine alliances, you know. 
somebody God connected you with by the Holy Ghost. So when I talk about divine connections, there's a whole lot of different kinds of relationships. I want you to go over to uh, the book of Matthew here. But uh, uh, you're going to the 10th chapter of the book of Matthew. But I want you to remember there in Ephesians 4, it said, every joint supplieth. So where God's joined you is where there is a supply for your life. You might say, well, I know that. Well, just hold on here a little bit. Don't turn me off just because you've heard something before. <clears throat> we got something to share here. We're going to the 10th chapter here. We look here in the verse number 40, starting in verse 40. It says, He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. You see, back there in Ephesians, he said, uh, the whole body, from whom? From Jesus, the whole body has, these nour has nourishment ministered by the connections. So when you read all down through, talking about the fivefold ministry, then the body, and, and growing up, and growing up through the supply of the connections, you'll find it's through Jesus, ultimately everything comes from God. No man can take the place of God in your life, nor should they try. That's not what I'm talking about. But uh, He does supply some things that we need through other people, and we have to be in connection with them in order to receive all that God has for us. It doesn't mean we don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, that He doesn't talk to us individually. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us individually. Isn't that right? <clears throat> so, but uh, we're not talking, we're not saying that you can't get anything from God directly. I'm just saying that some things you won't get unless you're connected right. There, sometimes people say, uh, your blessing is connected to a man of God. Well, uh, yeah, we understand what people are saying, but I would say a blessing. There is a blessing you're missing not being connected to the, to, to the, to the person God connected you with. Your blessing comes from Jesus without a man. But that doesn't mean He doesn't use a man to bring portions of that into your life. You understand? All right, so we're in Matthew. He said, he that, verse number 40, He that receives you receives me. So when we receive... Those that God sends to us. Because he's talking to the disciples about them. Jesus is getting ready to send the 12 apostles out, you know. And uh, he's talking to uh, those that he's sending out to minister on his behalf. And Jesus said to them, if they receive you, they receive me. Why? Because I'm the one sending you. I'm the one anointing you. I'm the one that had them in mind whenever I did send you. So, you know, Jesus, the body of Christ, when Jesus was on the earth... Jesus' physical body was the body of Christ. <laughs> Amen. And it still is at the right hand of the Father, that glorified body. But you read the Bible in 1 Corinthians 11 closely, there's twofold meaning to the body of Christ. And Ephesians and Colossians all over the New Testament. There is Jesus' physical body seated at the right hand. But uh, there's also the spiritual body of Christ, which is all of us. All born again believers all over the world. We know that. But, but the point is, when Jesus received communion, or, or had that communion service, he broke the body, said, take, eat, this is my body, eat this in remembrance of me. Isn't that right? So he broke his body, and we know that that's a type of his body being broken so we can be healed. And we're to discern the body of Christ. But there's a two, sides to, two sides to that. There is also the broken body, the physical body was broken for our healing, but the body of Christ used to be just Jesus' body, one place on the earth at a time. But he broke his body up now, and we're all spiritual members of the body. You're a piece of that body. You're a piece of that spiritual body. And Jesus needs every one of his pieces doing what they're called to do, or we won't have the full ministry of Jesus on the earth. 
Did you know that? He had the Spirit without measure, John 3 said. But we read carefully, and I think it's, it's uh, obvious through some things said. But uh, I believe we don't have, no, no man has all the Spirit. Jesus had the Spirit without measure, but no man does. But I believe all of us put together as the whole body of Christ, we have all that Jesus had. So I need you. Because I don't have what He gave you. You need me. I, don't, I mean, you don't have what I... Well, how would I say that? You, you need me. <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean talking about. Amen. Praise God. We all need one another. And if Christians would get a hold of that, they wouldn't have, there's a, there's, I was walking, where were we, in some airport recently. Back, no, it was in the mall down here at the Coralville Mall. That's where it was. We were walking, we were doing a little shopping. We were walking out. And a couple of college-age students behind us were talking about organized religion. We just hate organized religion. I thought to myself, well, what do you want? Disorganized? They think God's disorderly like their brain is. But it ain't good. just because their brain's disorderly doesn't mean God's that way. There is not a thing in the world that prospers if it's disorderly. <laughs> Your finances, you can't prosper financially if it's out of order. You'd have a business. You have to have structure. You have to have a chain of command. You have to have order. Two heads is a freak, you know. I mean, you just have to have order. So it all sounds all wonderful and everything, but it's just uh, spiritual immaturity talking. I didn't take time to turn around and say anything. Their ignorance was so deep you couldn't do it in five hours. <laughs> Amen. All right. He that receives you receives me. All right, verse 41 here in Matthew 10. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall have a prophet's reward. Now, that's uh, Jesus' uh, Really, that was one of the only fivefold offices that they had in the Old Testament. You could say in the New Testament, there's a reward that goes along with every one of the fivefold offices. But notice that, receive a prophet's reward. He that receives a righteous man, the name of a righteous man, shall have a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall receive, or shall, excuse me, shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, fairly I say unto you, he shall nowise lose his reward. Say out loud, reward. So there's a reward that goes along with receiving all these different individuals. Uh, a disciple, verse 42. Uh, a righteous man, verse 41. And a prophet, verse 41. Amen. There's a reward for receiving anybody in the body of Christ. Well, what's the reward? Whatever's on their life, you get blessed with. That's the reward. Now, somebody said, well, these are three different people here, and the disciples, one, a righteous man, somebody else, and maybe uh, uh, the prophet's the third person. Well, that's, that could be true. That, I mean, wouldn't be anything wrong with that. But think about it this way. One person can be all three of those things. Although he stands in a ministry office, people don't receive him in that. They only receive him as a brother in Christ. So they don't get what's on that office. You following me? And then you've got different, that, that one person can uh, be received one, but one way by one person, but somebody else receive them in all that they stand in. And they get the full orb of God's blessing by connecting right to that person. And that happens in local churches. Amen. Now, um, but there's something else here the Lord spoke to me. Is it all right if I just share some things this morning? The Lord spoke to me. He said, um, he was talking to me about some things I was meditating on about uh, the divine connections in my life for uh, spirit mentoring me in the ministry. Yeah. 
because all of us are different places, you know. We have different people to help us. All of us do. I mean, it's just, it's not a, I don't know what people think. They, they kind of have the idea, well, we, we don't need, I don't need all that. Well, you're different than me. I need help. If we don't need it, why did God put it in the body? You mean he put useless parts in the body? Parts we just don't need, cut them out, throw them away, don't need it? No, we need everybody. Tell your neighbor, we need everybody. But here's the thing. Um, here he said that this is all uh, receiving uh, uh, either a righteous man or a disciple or then that uh, a ministry office. There can be five, any of those five-fold ministries in the New Testament. Well, uh, if a man receives that ministry office, he gets that, minister's re- that, that, that office reward, whatever's on that office. But in my, I, mean, I was meditating on something, and right before I went to bed last night, the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, that's not the highest flow. Talking to me from my life. And I think some of us need to get a hold of this. He said, there's something even higher, which is an even more intimate relationship which allows even more transmission from one to another. Are you out there? You're going home. I said, Lord, what are you talking about? He said, notice it says there's a reward for receiving that ministry in his office. I said, yes. But he said, spiritual sons get more than a reward. Spiritual sons get an inheritance. He said, spiritual fathering is higher than just receiving a man in his office. And it started flooding in on me like a flood last night. Now, somebody said, what are you talking about? Well, uh, God might want to take some, and there's some in the congregation. I was wanting to do this. I said, Lord, this is, some of this is uh, more for a mentoring class for, for young ministers. And he just said, he kept saying, do it, do it, say it. I'm going to say this on Sunday morning. Uh, but uh, I can't wait till the mentoring class. The Lord won't let me. Amen. He said, uh, spiritual sons are a more intimate relationship than just receiving a ministry in his office. There's spiritual fathering in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 4, 15. Go over there real quickly. And we're going we're to explain what the Lord said to me. I've I got to you know, give you a spiritual foundation for it in the Word. I've had many people come up to me and say, how, how do I connect right? What do I got to do? Well, the Lord's trying to answer some of our questions. We're going to be talking about these divine connections. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother Ike, uh, you know, came to me when we first got here. I think it was one of the first services here. I don't know, remember exactly which service. Wasn't too long after us getting here. Was it the first service? Probably. And he said, uh, I, want you to, I want you to speak into my life and mentor me in the things of the ministry. Well, we had just gotten here. I didn't know him. I had had over the years, I'd had... I don't know, four or five different people say, young people say that to me, young people in the ministry. I said, oh, okay. And I started, you know, bringing them up in the things I knew at the time. You know, you only minister what you know. <laughs> but I, I'd never had one that uh, really followed through or knew what that kind of relationship was all about. And so it all, every one of them kind of petered out, if you know what that means, just kind of fizzled out. And so when Brother I came to me, I said, well, I, you know, okay, whatever. But I never responded to him. And he came once again and said, said it again to me. And I just kind of blew him off just like I'd, because I'd seen it too often and people didn't know what that meant. And the third time he came to me and said it again, I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, now what about this? Because he keeps coming to me and he wants to be like a spiritual son, he says. 
I said, Lord, I've had a lot of people do that, and they say they want that, but I don't. They, they never followed through. And the Spirit of God, everybody say the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. See, when the Holy Ghost says something, it's different. Yes. The Holy Ghost said to me, no, but He's a true son. Yes. Well, I said, oh, well, that, I, you know, there's such a thing as a false one then. Yes. People don't know how to do that. So I began to receive him. We began to talk, and I, I began to mentor him. I began to take him to meetings. Brother Hagin came, where was that? Peoria, Illinois, some Quincy, Illinois, that's where it was. Took him down there and started speaking into his life, sitting in the car, speaking to him about ministry. Just started pouring into him. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And things started happening. I only use him as an example because everybody here understands that relationship. Not to exclude anybody else. But I'm just saying that uh, that, that became a, a father-son relationship. Well, he started getting up on, whenever he'd do the announcements a number of years ago, he started getting up on the platform. And he started saying, well, um, and he'd, he'd talk about me and he'd talk about me as dad. And I'd say, and every time he'd say that, something bothered me down on the inside. I didn't know why, but I didn't know what to tell him. Why not to say that? I just knew something wasn't right about that. So uh, the Lord spoke to me one day. I went to the Lord. I said, what about that? And he said, well, not everybody in the congregation is that way. They don't have that kind of relationship with you. You understand? Not, not, not critical of people that don't. It's just different people are given different connections, you know. And so uh, I said, Lord, well, what do, what do I have him say? He said, well, he's, he's uh, most everybody here, he's, he should call you their pastor because that's who you are. I said, all right, brother, I just call me pastor from the platform. Because, you know, that's the way we're all to be. That's this setting. That's what we are. Yeah. Pastor sheep, you know. Amen. Am I in the right room? Yes, sir. Well, he said, well, what about dad? I, 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 I want you to speak into him. I said, well, if you want to do that in private, fine. See, that's a different relationship. You understand? Y'all learning something this morning? But I didn't understand all that the Lord started saying to me last night. Notice 2 Corinthians here. Do you find fourth chapter? 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, let's notice what it says. We're reading verse number uh, 13. Well, no, wait a minute. Let's back up here. Verse, where am I at? I'm in the wrong chapter or something. 1 Corinthians, that's why. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Second mistake I've made this year. <laughs> no, you know better. Second, uh, no, not second. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 4 verse number uh, 14 will start. I write not unto uh, these things to shame you. He had just talked about how they needed to treat him better. What? <laughs> I'm not saying that to you. I'm just saying what he had said to them. <laughs> Many of you are a great blessing. I'm not saying it to you. Don't get so personal about it, you know. Verse number 14, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. So he called this whole church at Corinth his spiritual sons. Somebody said, well, wait a minute. I don't think it's right for any man to, to be called father. Well, Paul didn't seem to have trouble with it. He called Timothy a son. He called Titus a son. He called Onesimus a son. Ones I think that's how you pronounce it, a son, spiritual son. He called the whole church at Corinth a son. And you go through the New Testament, and that's found throughout the New Testament. No, no man can take the place of Father God. Nobody should try. Nobody should claim to play. Dear God, how, how, how messed up can you get? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just like nobody. See, the Holy Ghost is the teacher, isn't he? But people stand in the office of a teacher. Does that mean they're trying to take the place of the Holy Ghost? Absolutely not. Not, no. Well, how many of you know that Jesus is the good shepherd, Jesus said? 
What does that mean? There's no such thing as a pastor? Because the same word translated shepherd is translated pastor. Is that wrong for a person to be a pastor? No, the Bible talks about the office of the pastor. The pastor is not trying to take the place of Jesus. So neither is a spiritual father trying to take the place of the Father God. You understand that? Let's not get weird with it. It's not to uh, dictate into anybody's life, control anybody's life. It's just somebody who voluntarily on their own decide, I want that kind of uh, 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 speaking into my life. You understand? Now he said here, as my spiritual sons, I warn you. Now notice verse 15. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me, and for this cause, I send unto you Timothy, Timotheus, or Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. Amen. Amen. He'll bring you into remembrance of my ways, which are in Christ, uh, as I teach everywhere in every church. Timothy traveled with Paul. He, he got to know Paul's ministry. And, and uh, you read about Timothy, which we're going to take some time to do. If we can get enough unction, y'all keep pulling on this. You know, if we get to the place where the congregation starts choking, then we'll just quit. You understand? I don't, I don't mean that critically. I'm just saying we're going to go as far as we can here. Paul said, I have many things to share, but they're hard to be uttered. So we'll go as far as we can get utterance for it. But uh, what we've got here is Paul saying, Timothy, he knows my ways, which are in Christ. He's a son. He's a son. <clears throat> Paul said to Timothy, Philippians 2, 10, you read on down through there. He said, uh, uh, 20, well, I don't know, it might be 22. I might have my scriptures messed up. Philippians 2, 22, that's where it is. He said, uh, Timothy, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For as a, father with, uh, uh, a son with the father, he hath uh, followed me in, in the ministry. Hallelujah. Notice that. Paul, the mighty apostle who knew people all over the then known world, ministered all over the then known world, said I only got one. One that understands spiritual fathering and is getting what they need to get. And I can send him instead of me because you'll get from him just what you got from me because he stuck close enough to get what I had so he can take it to somebody else. He said, I only have one. See, Paul said, he basically the Amplified says, who caught my spirit. I have no man who caught my spirit like Timothy did. And you can't catch things. See, there's some things that are taught and there's some things that are caught. And you can't catch things from a distance. Did you know that? Spiritual fathering, just like natural fathering, can't be done from a distance. Now, what is spiritual fathering? Spiritual fathering is just uh, the Father God ministering through a man who God will uh, put in somebody's life, or a woman, you understand when I say man, what I mean. Uh, God will put in somebody's life in order to impart fatherly into somebody. In a fatherly way. Amen. Amen. You understand that a father is, has a different relationship than a teacher. That's obvious. He said you have many instructors, but not many fathers. So a father is not just somebody who teaches you from the platform that you have no personal relationship with. I'm not talking about personal meaning you still want to sit down to dinner and you want to go do uh, recreation together. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. That, you know, you almost have to avoid that with most people to keep from falling out of the, the right relationship. Preaching better than your amen. But I'm talking about a close spiritual relationship. And it's not the father's job, the spiritual father's job, to keep a son close. It's a son's job to stay close. 
We're going to be talking more and more about this. All right. So he said, so there is such a thing as a father. Paul said here he was a father to the church at Corinth. Amen. Now, um, with that in mind, back there in Matthew chapter number 10, you remember, he receives a prophet, and the name of the prophet has a prophet's reward. And then there's different, like you, you can have a divine connection with just another member of the body of Christ, and, then, uh, and so forth. But that's not fathering. You know from a father you get an inheritance. Here in Matthew 10, he said he'll have a prophet's reward, or we'd say one of the fivefold ministries reward. Whatever's on that man, that reward. Well, a reward is that ministry... That, that anointing on that person, it could be another member of the body of Christ, but we're talking about ministers here now. Uh, it could be, uh, the reward could be that anointing working on your behalf to bless your life. But an inheritance is not just something that works on your behalf to, blend, to, to bless your life. It's something that comes on you, not just to you, but on you, that works through you. An inheritance is something you get to walk in, not just something you benefit from. Hello? Y'all there? You're going home. An inheritance is a birthright. Remember over in the Old Testament, Jacob and Esau, Jacob was the, uh, I mean Esau was the firstborn, but remember he had the birthright. Now, what is the birthright? He would, his dad, back then, the, the, the spiritual fathers, the, the uh, fathers of faith, we call them, remember Abraham's called the father of faith. They would lay hands on the firstborn and impart endowments on their life into the next generation. The firstborn would get that. So Esau was in line for that, but he came in from the field hungry one day. Remember that? And he said he was hungry, and I guess Jacob was making some, I don't know, ham and beans or something like that. <laughs> Amen. Probably put some mustard in there and a ham honk in there. Come on, shooky, shooky. <laughs> but anyway, he's cooking. And, and, and uh, Esau's hungry. Esau said, give me some of that, you know, ham and bean soup. We'd say, you know, stew or lentil soup or whatever it's called. He said, well, only if you give me your birthright. He said, oh, what good is this birthright anyway? I'll give it to you. Here, give me. And so he sold his birthright for a pot of soup. In other words, he disregarded the, the, the inheritance of something spiritual being imparted from his spiritual father. You see, actually, if you're a father of children in the natural, you should also be a spiritual father or, or mother, you know. Don't just bring them up naturally, teach them how to brush their teeth, comb their hair. That's natural. Impart spiritual things into them. Whatever's on you should not go to the grave with you. You should pass it on to the next generation. Our endowments are lost from one generation to the next because people don't stay close enough to get what their man of God has. These things only transfer on certain kind of relationships. I'm not talking about the reward now. I'm talking about the inheritance. You see, uh, that, that uh, birthright was a spiritual impartation from his, Esau's birthright, spiritual impartation from his father, Isaac. But he threw the spiritual away to get something natural. And all if I had three hours, I could talk to you about not throwing away spiritual things because of chasing natural things. Lot did the same thing. There's three relationships we're going to have to spend some time looking at. We're going to have to look at Paul and Barnabas. We're going to have to look at Abraham and Lot. And we're going to have to look at uh, 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 Elijah and Elisha. 
Those were spiritual fathering relationships and things were either lost or imparted by rightly identifying with that person God connected them with. Amen. My goodness, I'm just barely even getting this started this morning. So there's something more than just a reward. There is a spiritual birthright, an impartation of the Spirit into your life, an endowment that you to walk in for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? That reward back in Matthew 10 is the anointing on that minister working for you uh, that you receive. But notice this man received the man as a prophet. In other words, he stood in that, he just received him and standing in that office. What would have happened if he had received him as a spiritual father beyond just that ministry office? He would have received a reward, amen, called not just a reward, but an inheritance. See, sons get inheritance. Isn't that right? Tell your neighbor, sons get inheritance. There's a difference between a reward and an inheritance. Amen. An inheritance is something you get to walk in. And it's only for faithful spiritual sons. And it doesn't come because you were in somebody's service one time. It's a long-range relationship. Spiritual fathering is not something that happens for a year or even ten years. Your father growing up naturally didn't just father you for a year and then throw you to the curb. And you shouldn't have run to the curb either. Amen. You see, it's an epidemic in the body of Christ. Now, now we're talking about, some of these things we're going to be talking about spiritual fathering. Sometimes we'll be talking about the pastor's relationship. Sometimes just, you know, people that connect, God's connected you with in the body of Christ to help you. Amen. You should have fellowship. These are your main places of fellowship here. But uh, just in the last week, see, sometimes people think, well, you don't know why he's preaching on this. Well, because it's epidemic in the body of Christ. People take these relationships so lightly. And they, uh, they value natural relationships over these spiritual relationships. You'll get a natural inheritance from natural relationships, but you'll never get impartations of the Spirit. Unless that's a spiritual relationship as well. Some relationships are natural and spiritual. That's the way I believe God wants every parent to be, a, both a, a natural parent and a spiritual parent. There should be nothing spiritual go to the grave with you. Pass it on to your kids. Pass it on, just like your, your, your finances, you know, you pass on. Amen. This is so deep in my heart, it's going to take time to get this all out. But anyway, we've had a couple of situations just over the last, well, we found out about them just over the last week. You know, eventually you, you, you have people that come for a while and you're so glad to see them and you're trying to be friendly with them and greet them and everything. And, and, uh, but some people don't want to go there. They, they always have this. They come into church, but they're, they're like this. They're like, they're defensive. They're protective. And sometimes, sometimes it's because they've been hurt in other places, you understand. And we have compassion on people like that. And we don't, we don't, we don't want to see that, you know. That's not right. But anyway, um, but uh, just two situations I found about this week. Both of them got offended because of something that happened. Not realizing that they disconnected from a relationship that God was using to bring something into their life. And then they'll go out and they'll start saying, well, you see, that prosperity message wasn't working for me anyway, blah, 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 things like that. And we have to say, wait a minute. What about those four, five, six, seven testimonies we've heard in the last seven weeks? 
You see, the devil will help you forget. Just absolutely help you forget. Now, am I mad? No, I'm, I'm really compassionate because this is, this is the, the, the ones who get disconnected hurt the most. They're the ones the devil kicks around from pillar to post. And their life just gets, goes back to what it was. Back to old associations, back to old bondages, old ways of thinking. Because, you know, oh man, there's so much I got to get into here. You know, the what that's going on in your life is not a what. It's because of your connection to a who. It's not. <laughs> it's not this is going on, that's going on. Well, who are you connected to that's bringing that in your life? Good or bad. Amen. And we're going to get on to that. There's, there's some things we got to say. If you can hear it. I mean, you're, you're still here, so I guess everything's going all right here. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor there is a divine connection for your life. Now, um, these divine connections are mentioned in Ephesians 4, like we said, fitly joined together. There's a connection. Um, but they are spiritual leaders that are placed over us who make impartations into our life through teaching, private conversations, examples of their own life, and so forth. Um, and these are impartations equip us to finish our race. God has a plan for our lives. Remember in Matthew chapter number 9, we were, we were there in chapter number 10, but you remember Matthew 9, Jesus saw the multitude. They were scattered abroad as sheep, not having a shepherd. You remember that? And he said, pray the Lord of the harvest will send forth labors into his harvest. Notice the reason they were scattered abroad is because they didn't have a shepherd. In other words, there are things that will be scattered in our life without that divine relationship, that divine connection. Amen. People bucket. People don't like this teaching. People, they think it's self-motivated or something like that. But it's true for me just as much as you. In that sense, we're all in the same boat. So don't go there with me. Don't go there with me. That'll just tell us we just can't go any further with this and it'll affect all of us. It'll affect you. It'll affect me. It'll affect the work of God. It'll affect the head of the church because he's trying to bring these supplies together. Am I in the right room? So these divine connections are divine alliances. They are covenant relationships. Tell your neighbor, covenant relationships are different. Amen. A covenant relationship, you don't bebop in and bebop out of them so quick. Amen. These are divine alliances authored by God. They are the right associations for your life to bring your life under an umbrella of blessing and protection. Now, why would, it, why would I need an umbrella of blessing and protection? I have faith. Yeah, that's, that's, thank God we're all to develop our own faith. And it develops a, you know, a hedge and a protection and so forth. And we all need that. But do you know that there's something more that God has for you than just your faith? And that is the faith of some other people. Why not go for the double blessing? Your own faith and the people of faith around you that God connected you to. Well, I'm a hog. I'll take all that. <laughs> Amen. But you see, there is opposition against these relationships. Satan works overtime to, to break up divine connections much more than he tries to break up natural connections. The spiritual warfare coming against your life has more to do with divine connections than natural connections every day of the week and twice on Sunday. You're going to face things. You're going to face opportunities for offense. You're going to face uh, people talking bad, trying to get you separated. 
All kinds of things. You know, I could tell you the, I could tell you the devil's favorite things to tell people because of what we hear all the time. I'm not going to repeat them because they're not worth repeating. I'm not here to glorify the devil. But the point is that uh, you're going to have to know that there's opposition against divine connections. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, though, we're going to learn how to get past the opposition. If I've watched one, I've watched 600 people. Listen to me very carefully. Not exaggerating because I'm not evangelistically speaking. In fact, I'm not an evangelistic person. I'm not an evangelist. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But I tell you the truth, before God, I lie not. I'd probably watch 600 people come through here and get so excited, so excited about what they receive here. But then whenever they hit that, I call it a spiritual wall, bam, they get hit by the opposition to, to resist that divine connection, don't know what it is, think something's wrong in the church, and fade away. We try and try and try and we say it over and over again to try to help people recognize what it is. How many of you know it, 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 it preaches different than it feels when it's happening to you? You have to know that it's going to come. Amen. People want the inheritance of a spiritual father but won't do what's necessary to overcome the opposition that's going to come against it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, uh, a fathering relationship in the natural takes place over years and years and years. Uh, and uh, actually, in a natural son, you can find the father's DNA. Naturally, biologically, I'm talking about. Well, can anybody find any father's DNA in your life? Uh, there ought to be some impartation. Spiritual. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about natural. I want to clarify that. Maybe that ought to be clarified. I'm talking about spiritual DNA. <laughs> spiritual impartations. Things in you that came through the hands of another man. Came through the conversations of another man. Came through praying together with another man. Is, can anybody find anything in you? Well, no, I'm a self-made man. I'm an independent. I like to be recognized for my independence. Yeah, and you're a fool. Didn't plan on saying it that way, but anyway. Spiritual, uh, true spiritual sons don't mind being identified with a spiritual father. Nor people pointing out the characteristics that are similar. False spiritual sons do. They want to be recognized for their achievements and their ministry and their... Am I preaching all right? Am I preaching all okay? We just barely got the clutch popped yet. <laughs> Praise the Lord for the word. I remember whenever I started uh, traveling, it was so interesting in traveling ministry. Every now and then I'd get in a service and people would come up to me afterwards and they'd say, that's just, that's just like sitting in a Brother Hagin meeting. It used to bother me at first. Well, I don't want to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm. but then I realized, wait a minute. I, it's better than them saying, you just sound like some worldly guy out there. <laughs> Well, you just sound like Bertie Madoff or something like that, you know. <laughs> Amen. Never mind, never mind. If it didn't. I'd rather it be somebody that has something I want. <laughs> wow, what an honor for somebody to recognize there were impartations. That doesn't bother me at all. Amen. I'm just trying to help you. You're just trying to. 
I wasn't wanting to do all this this morning, but I'm just going here. We done waded out into it. You getting it? So um, uh, their divine connections, alliances, and associations. And you can live under the umbrella of their faith and their impartations will help you get things much quicker. You know, in the natural, a person grows up, doesn't have a father or mother figure in their life. Maybe it's not biological, but even somebody that can act in that role, you know. If they don't have that, they, they struggle in life with things that other children just breeze right on through. In their growth stages, they just breeze right on through because they had somebody there to teach them, okay, now that won't work here. Now you're going to have to learn, you know, and, and they constantly, all their life here, they're going to have to do that. Just all the things. <clears throat> Amen. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an umbrella of, of, of protection that a son has through learning from his father. I'd rather, you know, in the world, people, uh, and I'm not against college, you know, you can learn, some people need a degree for college to get what they're going, get, go where they're going. But my point is, I still think there's nothing that can replace the good old-fashioned mentoring kind of. If you want to learn how to run a, uh, you know, a financial institution or something, work for somebody else that can show you the ropes. You know, just if you want to run a restaurant, go into the restaurant business, find out how to do it by working for somebody else. Not that maybe some education at the university won't help, but I'm just saying that can't replace this. Just can't do it. I said you just can't do it. Amen. So these are covenant relationships, covenant connections, authored and planned by God to bring up us a spiritual supply. When God wants to bring something into your life, He blesses he, he uh, brings a man into your life that has it. The devil saw God and noticed that characteristic about God. He learned that from God, and that's the way he does things. You know, if the, de- if, if the devil wants to get your life off, he'll get you connected to the wrong person. I've seen it. I've seen it over and over again. Why does he bring a person? Because their influence will pull them off. Isn't that right? So God wants you to connect with somebody that has something that you don't have that he wants you to have. Praise God. All right. So it's our responsibility to know who these divine associations are. Amen. 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 Knowing which associations are from God and which are from the enemy is imperative for success in life or ministry, whichever you're, you're uh, shooting for. Amen. Amen. You can't do things alone. Right. Oh, yes, I can. Well, why then does God put these, these things in the, body, in, in the Word of God? You know, we could go through many of these kind of relationships. We don't have time. But think about Joshua, how, God, how Moses brought him up. Yeah, think about Paul and how Timothy brought him up. Amen? Think about Elijah and Elisha, how that worked and how God did that. Isn't that right? Think about Abraham and Lot and how Lot got disconnected. Think about Jesus and the 12 apostles. Isn't that right? Think about Elisha and Gehazi, which I believe was in line to be the prophet after, well, after Elisha. But he got off by selfish motives. Isn't that right? So many of these relationships, Paul and Barnabas, for example, these are divine connections for, to pass things from one generation to another generation. And we're going to learn to receive them. Know which ones are from God and which ones are from the enemy. Amen. So in addition to identifying with these associations that are from God to bring us a supply, we must learn to scripturally cooperate with that supply and the godly associations so God can get us all the way to the end of our life. 
You know, some people don't stick long enough with that divine connection, therefore they don't get all that they needed to finish. Amen. Absolutely the truth. We're going to get into all of this. Spend more time than we are this morning on it. Praise the Lord. So we see in the scriptures that um, really fulfilling our purpose uh, and, uh, and so forth in the kingdom of God is dependent on these divine relationships. Notice there in Matthew, he said, they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, not having a shepherd. Notice that term, fainted. How many of you know we are running our race? And if we faint before we finish, that means we aren't going to be able to finish if we get tired. So there's people, God connects us with people to constantly bring strength and supply and revelation and answers and impartations into our faith and endowments and, and equipment and all these things that we need. Hallelujah. So we can finish and not faint. Hallelujah. Fulfilling you and I's purpose in the kingdom of God is never attributed just to gifting or calling alone. Or our ability alone. Listen, it is attributed also to these divine connections. Being hooked up right, you might say. Hallelujah. Uh, you see, uh, like uh, uh, the, the story of Gehazi, you see him getting disconnected. The story of Lot, he didn't finish. In fact, the, the moment he disconnected, his life started going down. He forgot where the blessing came from. He forgot it wasn't his without Abraham in his life. You understand? Barnabas sailed off the pages of history because he got offended and disconnected from Paul. Isn't that right? And uh, we're going to look at some of those relationships in future services. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody more seasoned than you needs to speak into your life. Somebody who knows more than you needs to speak into your life. None of us know it all. You understand? See, you understand, this is my, I need this just like you need this. So we're not just preaching this to you. We're just encouraging ourselves. Hallelujah. So these hookups, and whenever they're, we're properly honored, these relationships are properly honored, they bring a divine supply. Now, people have, what they do is they get disconnected from these kinds of right relationships through whatever offense or just getting distracted by natural things more than spiritual things or whatever. They get disconnected from these kinds of relationships. And uh, for a season of time, everything goes fine. So therefore, they get deceived by that. They said, see, think, look, look, see, see, see. That was not necessarily where all this was coming from. Except they forgot that they didn't have it until they got connected to that. Come on now. That season of time is just kind of, uh, you know, the residue of what you had because you were connected right. But eventually things start going down but they never connected to what they disconnected to. In their, in their thinking, they don't connect the two. And so they think, what's going on? What's going? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. It's back there in that disconnection. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, we got a little less time uh, than I needed here this morning, so we're going to hurry up a little bit. A spiritual father will set things right and in, in order in your life. They'll bring maturity. Now, a pastor could uh, fulfill these roles, but it's, it, you have to go beyond just what's commonly thought of as pastoring Amen. in your mind in order to get the rest of this. Amen. These relationships happen not overnight, and these impartations do not happen overnight, and bringing things in order do not happen overnight. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 11 here. Paul was a spiritual father. We already read that. 
to the church at Corinth. And he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, look at verse number 34. He said, if any, uh, if any man hunger, let him eat at home. He's talking about the communion and so forth and how he was bringing things into order in their communion services. Uh, that you come not together into condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. The rest. In other words, you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, he was dealing with all sorts of disorder. They, they, they were not ministering the gifts of the Spirit correctly. They, they didn't have the right things in order regarding marriage. Um, you see him bringing correction. For starting around the fourth, third, third, third or fourth chapter, he starts bringing correction to different areas to, to bring things into order in their church. Because that's his role. He was a spiritual daddy. So uh, he said, uh, okay, I wrote these things to help you. And then he was writing to bring communion into order and so forth. But he said, the rest will I set in order when I come. Hallelujah. So there were things that he was able to set in order, both through these writings. And whenever he first went there, he was, he was ministering there. Paul went back to Corinth a number of times. And so, but he didn't get it all uh, uh, set in order at that time. In other words, they weren't fully mature yet. You understand that? So, uh, Paul said, these things are going to come in order. Next time I get to come, or, you know, next time I get to write to you. And so he was saying, don't, hook, don't unhook until you get all this straightened out. You understand that? You understand? So what he's saying is that these relationships that bring things into order don't happen overnight. Amen. Some things are already set in order, but some things in, in Corinth weren't yet. They remained to be put in order. Amen. And they would, if they'd stay connected, they would all come in order. Hello? So they had to stay connected to get the rest of that. Well, I don't know about you. That helped me whenever I saw that. Don't let that get by you. There's things that, like I said, these people, like pastoring relationship with the sheep or father with a son, these things don't happen just for a year or just, and then it's, it's all over. If God brought you here, first of all, you must have recognized you didn't have it somewhere else. And if you were, you've been getting something here and God sent you here, well, then don't disconnect. Protect these relationships. Satan works overtime against these divine connections. You'll have all kinds of thoughts come to you and, 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 uh, and pressures against your thought life. Amen. Now, to finish this up, go back to the book of Matthew and we'll, we'll wrap this up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The sixth chapter of the... I said Matthew. John 6. I'm sorry. John chapter number 6. Pastor Nancy brought this out, out in, uh, in California and uh, my, my, my. Someone said, well, don't you want people to think you got it on your own? I don't really care. I recognize where I get help. <laughs> and boy, did this help me. John 6, we look at verse number 68. Now, Jesus had preached, you know, the eat my bread and drink my flesh. Now, they just thought he meant physically, and they thought cannibalism or something. That wasn't what he was talking about. You read down through there, and he said, the words, verse number 63, the words I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. In other words, I'm not talking about literally eating my flesh, but I'm talking about partaking of, of my spiritual supply that nourishes your spirit. That's what he's talking about. Verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him, and the pastor does too. And He said, Therefore said I unto you, <laughs> that no man can come unto Me except it was given unto him of My Father. From that time, many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. Somebody up here have the Amplified? Maybe somebody close? Um, while, while they're looking at that, getting that pulled up, let me read the rest of this passage here. They went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto his twelve, well, I better pull a rabbit out of the hat so you all stay here too. No, he said, are you going to go too? Pastor Nancy said this in California. She said, pastors, don't preach to keep them. Preach to mature them. If you preach to keep them, you're going to end up with things in your congregation you didn't really want anyway. <clears throat> I said, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, but uh, he said, are y'all going to? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, well, I've chosen you, and one of you is the devil. <laughs> He's talking about Judas. <laughs> well, that wasn't politically correct. Whoop, I bumped it and it turned off. I'm sorry, I pushed that button. All right, here we go. 64, listen to this. Everybody got your listening ears on? Not just your uh, bounce off the ears on. Let the ones, put the ones on that it makes it go down in your heart. Verse 64, but still some of you fail to believe and trust and have faith. For Jesus knew from the first who did not believe and had no faith and who should betray him and be false to him. That was not the verse I was looking for. Which one was I looking for? 66. After this, many of his disciples drew back, returned to their old associations, and no longer accompanied him. Returned to their old associations. Why? Just because they didn't understand the sermon. If you don't understand the sermon, Put it on the shelf. Amen. Come back and see if you can learn more next time. Amen. Don't just run off. If God sent you here. They said it was a hard sermon, you know. It's hard, they said. Hard. He's a hard preacher. There's no love in that church. Well, maybe you wouldn't know love if it came up and smacked you on top of the head. See, your definition of love is the world's definition of love. Just something to make you feel gushy and gooey. And... Boy, these things are messing up. What do I do now? Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. But they turned back and went to their old associations, which because of those old associations, they had old bondages and wrong ways of thinking. And a lot of trouble. Now, listen, i got to finish this with saying something here. Jesus, and I'm reading the Amplified. Jesus said to the twelve, Will you go away, and do you too desire to leave me? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words, the message of eternal life. And we have learned to believe and trust. And more, in other words, more than that, we have come to know that you're the Messiah. Well, he said, we've learned faith here. Where are we going to go? We learned here how to use our faith. 
So when you, when people leave, I, I, now if I hadn't traveled all over the United States, I would think it was something personal. Really, I would. I'd be, do, I'd be dealing with an, uh, a personality, what's that complex they call it? Inferiority complex. But see, I traveled all those years all over the United States, and it from once, from Maine to California, from Minnesota to Texas. Same thing happens everywhere, all across the United States. People get offended. They get disconnected. God sends them there. They're all excited for a while, and then they fade away. Not everybody, but, but I'm saying it's an epidemic. Well, I'd have an inferiority complex if I didn't understand it's not about me. It's about not just them leaving the church. They left faith. They left the message that was their victory, was their freedom, was their answer. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. It's you where we've learned to believe. Now, look, listen to this. Jesus said to the twelve, will you also go away? And do you desire to leave me? Can I hold on to this for a second, honey? Listen, he, he, Jesus didn't ask that because uh, he didn't know for sure if they'd had that thought. And Peter didn't answer it by saying, that thought's never come to me. Jesus knew that thought was coming to them. He didn't ask them because he wasn't sure if it came to them. He, he said it because he knew it was coming to them. He was just getting it out in the open. And he was also asking them to, he was pulling their faith forward rather than what they were thinking forward. Say something in faith, Peter. Oh, yeah, we know, we know. This is where we've learned to believe. This is where we learned to walk by faith. This is where we got free from all the stuff. Now, listen, 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 listen. Oh, if you don't get this, you don't get... Oh, you got to get this part. We're almost done, I know. Hold on. Y'all still there? Now, Jesus said to the twelve, Will you go away, and do you desire to leave me? Simon Peter answered him, To whom shall we go? You have the words, the message of eternal life. And then he said in verse 69, We have learned to believe, hear, and trust. In other words, here's where we've learned. And then he said, To whom, to whom, to whom, to whom shall we go? I have heard people quote that over and over and over again, and they said, where are we going to go? That's not what Peter said. He did not say, where are we going to go? He said, to whom are we going to go? So what, what we see then is that Peter had a revelation whenever he asked the right question. You see, when the devil's talking to you, it's not wrong for the devil to talk to you. I mean, excuse me, you haven't done something wrong is what I mean. You've not sinned because the devil has suggested to you to go somewhere else to disconnect from a divine supply. You've not sinned because of that. You just have to learn to ask the right question. Think about before you go, who else has it for my life? You better think about that. You better think about that. Somebody said, well, I'll find out later. Let me tell you who will do the choosing if you disconnect from a divine supply by offense. You think you're going to do the choosing? But that offense opened the door, and I'll guarantee you, the devil will do the choosing for you. Because you opened the door through offense. Amen. He wants to get you away from the place you learn faith. You need faith to receive your supply, but you also need to stay connected to your divine supply. It doesn't say, where are we going to go? Peter said, to whom shall we go? In other words, when he asked the right question, the Spirit of God showed him, it's not a what are we going to go to or a where are we going to go to. It's the person God connected me to. 
And I'll tell you this, divine trans transactions of the endowments of the Spirit don't flow from a man to a, through an organization. They throw from, flow from a man to a man. Human to human, or man or woman, you understand. Can you see what I'm talking about? To whom shall we go? When you leave, you're always leaving a home. You're always leaving a home to go to a home. Amen. You're going to old associations. It's interesting when people leave the spiritual places, they never to go to more. They never. I've never seen one person go to a more spiritual place. Never. Not once. Because their offense won't allow them. Well, anyway. They go back to old associations. They go back to old bondages, old thoughts, weaknesses, and old doctrines. That, by the way, didn't have it whenever you came out of it. They didn't have it for your life when you came out of it. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Now, Peter asked, to whom shall we go? People think that, well, all this stuff's going on in my life. Well, the stuff or the what is that is going on in your life is because of connection to a whom. You understand that? You're not leaving a what to go to a what. You're leaving a whom to go to a what, and the what, or whom to go to a whom, and the what's are because of the whom. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Did you get it? Yeah. In other words, who you associate with determines where you end up. Yeah. Not what you associate with determines who you're connected with. It's not that way. Go to Mark, I mean, not Mark, Romans 8. Oh, I'm getting this, I'm getting it. We're, we're reaching the goal we need to get to this morning. If you'll just give me another second. A few, few minutes, I should say. You'll, we'll get this this morning. Mm. Romans 8, verse 35. Look at, I'm going to wait till you turn there so you can read it with me. Romans 8, 35. Romans 8, 35. Anybody there? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Huh? Well, doesn't he list a bunch of what's after that? Yeah, he does. He lists a bunch of what's, but that's not what he said. Who? In other words, the what's are because of the who. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now he goes into the what's. Tribulation. See, that came because of connection to a whom. When people persecute you for your connection to your divine supply, you need to stand up and say, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You don't want to do that to your life. You don't want to do that to your life. Because I need what's on their life. I, I, I want to be in fellowship with you, but I need what's on their life. Amen. Every what has a who behind it. Brother Ike said that and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to give him credit the first time. But that's powerful. It's the last time. Don't forget it. <laughs> Every what has a who behind it. Praise God. You deal with the wrong who and you have associations with the wrong who or stop or you break association with the wrong who, the what's will stop. Now, people hear this, they think, well, pastor, you're saying we can't have any, any interaction with the world or other Christians. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about interactions. I'm talking about allowing them to impart into your life. We reach out, we bless people, we're loving towards everybody. But when it comes to them 
speaking into our life. No, 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 I'm not, that offense that you just said, no, listen, listen. I love you, but I have to guard my heart. Because the message of faith is what brought me out of what I came out of. Hmm, hallelujah. You stay connected to the right who, the person God connected you to, and the right what will keep flowing. If you stay connected and properly receive and understand how to do all that. Amen. Did you get anything out of the word this morning? If you would Hallelujah. like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.